Welcome back, guys, to episode 25 of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. This week, I caught up with Benny from Fit With Plants via a Zoom call as Benny is from sunny Gold Coast. He's such a passionate dude and an absolute wealth of knowledge. He's been a personal trainer for over 16 years now and dedicates his life to promoting a plant-based diet along with the benefits that come along with that. We covered some ground in this episode and whether you're plant-based or not, I have no doubt there'll be golden nuggets of information for all of you. Ben rises at 3am every morning before heading down to the gym, followed by a swim in the beach and some yoga. His day is already half done by the time some people wake up. If that's not a kick up the backside for all of us to get out of bed early and get stuff done, I don't know what is. Ben's story is so inspirational and I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to pick his brain in this week's episode. Sit back and enjoy the show, folks. Benny, nice to have you on the podcast, mate. Welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate it, mate. Great to be here. Just to paint the picture for you guys, me and Ben are currently podcasting over Zoom. Ben's in sunny Gold Coast at the moment. Well, not so sunny at the moment. I hear there's some storms happening at the moment, mate. Take me through that. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a cyclone off the coast. It's just um, fortunately veered off, which is great, but um, we've still got a lot of the offset from the, the crazy winds that have just hit us. So the swell's big and a bit of rain, a bit of everything happening right now. That's not ideal at all, mate. Hopefully no damage is to to you and any of your loved ones up there. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll, we will manage to miss all the, uh, the damaging winds, hopefully. Excellent. Ben, just before we get into it, mate, what's it like living in sunny Gold Coast? Uh, I love the Gold Coast, mate. Um, I actually live on the – yeah, I live in uh, Coolangatta, so I live right down uh, the south, right on the border of uh, Queensland and New South Wales. Um, I love the southern end of, the, southern end of uh, the Gold Coast and also northern parts of New South Wales. Beautiful area, nice and quiet, mate. Um, you know, really quaint, nice little surfy town. It's great. Awesome. And I noticed me, me and you connected through Instagram for anyone that doesn't know. And I noticed through all your Instagram stories, you're up quite early in the morning around 3, 3.30 a.m. Some people would think that's crazy. Talk, talk me through the thought process behind that. Yeah, mate. So I get up at 3 a.m. most mornings. And what, what I've found is with my own training, like I, I have uh, obviously living on the border, mate, um, and I have a little PT studio and cool and I actually have a lot of clients that live in the new, in New South Wales or work in New South Wales, so they need to train a little bit earlier. So for four o'clock or four thirty, they want to come to the gym, or even five a.m. That's going to be an hour early for me. So, um, in regards to myself getting up that early, I found that you know the early morning is just a great time in the morning. I have a lot of energy. I love training on an empty stomach, so I get in there, you know, hit a hit a uh, forty-five minute workout, go for a swim at the beach. And then I'm ready to go for my clients, mate. Awesome. And I know just from looking at your stories, I'm up quite early, not three o'clock. I'm, I'm a bit later, <laughs> around 4.15. Um, but it's obviously critical yeah. over in Gold Coast. The sun rises quite early. What sort of exercise are you doing for your training? How does that look like? Yeah, look, in all honesty, my, my exercise regime is really sort of all over the place. I, I love all facets, facets of exercise, rather. I find... 
I find um, different methods of training really fascinating. And I guess the longer I've been a personal trainer, the more open I've become to sort of, you know, different styles. I will say, though, in particular, I'm, I'm really, really uh, in love with Olympic lifting. Um, you know, the snatch or the clean and jerk. I really love those exercises. I've spent about four years um, really training to get, you know, technique uh, right in those movements, which is it's, it's quite hard to do. Um, but I find those two movements a lot of fun and quite beneficial with my training. But look, mate, uh, in all honesty, I love uh, CrossFit movements. Um, I love swimming. I love running. Uh, I also really love uh, yoga and, of course, meditation. So I'm sort of all over the board when it comes to uh, health and fitness, you could say. Definitely. And I think that's a way to go. I think through my experiences, I've noticed that balance is, is the way to go. It's the key to success. And a lot of people get caught up in the one sort of training regime, which there's nothing wrong. If that works for people, that's fine. Mm, that's right. I found, found that balance and, and a bit of t- taste of everything is, um, is the way to go. Oh, definitely. I agree with you hundred percent, mate. It just, it makes life a lot more interesting too. You know what I mean? And, you know, just I think just being fit and healthy is is a great goal to have, rather than trying to look a certain way. And I mean, if you want to do look a certain way, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, without have, enjoying being fit without the pressure is a, is a great thing. Hundred percent, Ben. Before we dive into all the incredible work that you're doing with your personal training studio as a PT for over sixteen years, I'm correct. That's correct. Yeah. And the amazing new business that you're launching, which we're going to dive into later about all plant-based nutrition, plant-based eating. I want to know what life was like for you growing up. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. So I grew up uh, on the South coast of New South Wales at a place called Colborough beach. It's near Nowra. Um, I grew up in a, it's a little surfy town. I think there's about 1500 people in my town. Very, very country. And uh, it was a very interesting upbringing. I, I had a, a father that was a butcher um, and a keen fisherman. So I grew up on a very high animal uh, based diet. And we had, uh, there was six siblings in the family, which was, which was interesting, three boys and three girls. And, you know, my family were just um, basic working class, not rich, not poor, just, you know, like the average Australian, I guess. And I had a great life, you know, I grew up, uh, I guess you could say in the country, you know, surfing, and sort of just being outdoors because it was, it, was it was a good upbringing. Um, but of course, you know, when I look back at my diet, uh, that's the only thing that now I've come to realise wasn't, uh, I guess, the best thing. <laughs> but back then, a lot of people didn't know uh, and there wasn't as much scientific evidence. But, you know, my upbringing was very simple, mate, very basic. Definitely. And you you're surrounded by like a, a lot of fitness and a lot of exercise. Do you think that's what grew your passion into wanting to be a PT? It did, mate. Look, uh, when, when I grew up through school, I really struggled with learning. Um, I found, you know, I, re- I actually got held back in primary school and repeated year six. And even in through high school, I just really struggled with um, uh, just reading, absorbing information. And it wasn't until I was in year 10 that I had to do a... Um, uh, an assessment and exam on a certain topic it was actually on Native American Indians, and the whole the whole thing was on video. We had to watch movies, and I actually it was the first time I got an A in my speech and A in um, the subject. And the teachers came back and spoke to me and said, "You're a you're a visual learner. That's why you've been failing for so long." And 
what I, I actually wanted to be a personal trainer from I think year seven or year eight when I was about 13 or 14 and there was no such thing as a personal trainer back then as a career and a lot of the teachers said you know you can't there's not a career in that yet so you're gonna have to choose something else but I always knew mate that because rather than being a person who thought to themselves oh poor me poor me I, I can't I'm struggling uh, with you know absorbing information I'm, I'm failing I thought I can go two ways. I'll use, I'll try and use my personality and do something where I can be hands-on. And I thought that would might be a good direction for me. So that's why I thought, you know, health and fitness is a positive environment and I can be, you know, there present, hands-on, helping people. And I can use sort of my, my personality and my skills that way rather than being, I guess, behind a computer or writing and trying to educate myself in theory-based things. So that was where, uh, I guess you could say, I sort of projected myself in that direction. Awesome, Matt. And I think for all the listeners at home, that's a great point. That education is not the be all and end all. And you've you've realised that at a young age that you weren't the most tech smart or you weren't going to progress right. in, in that sort of world and you just dealt with the chips that you were given and you've progressed into what is an amazing thing or what looks like anyway, mate. So you're doing great things, that's for sure. Yeah. And look, and, and, and another thought, uh, you know, uh, I guess a lot of adults suffer silently about these sort of things. And it wasn't, I didn't learn to spell and write properly until I was about 30, mate. Um, and, you know, like when I, I, I can write emails and my grammar and spelling is really good now. And I can actually, you know, it wasn't until my 30s that I started reading books. So I found that a lot of those things that I suffered with throughout my early ages uh, are all coming to me now. And I really enjoy reading now, mate. Like I didn't read my first book until I was 35 years old. Wow. And, you know, I love reading now and I've read tons of books. Uh, I love theory. I love science. And I do a lot of, I spend about four or five hours researching and doing science-based stuff now. And I absolutely love it. It's just that, you know, it's, it's come to me later in life and I've really just taken it on now and I, and I absolutely love it. Unreal, mate. Unreal. That's for sure. And you mentioned before about that your father was a butcher and really loved fishing. Did you ever yeah. think about where the food on your plate came from? I didn't, mate, because, you know, look, my father, growing up with all these kids and, you know, I guess there wasn't a lot of money. Uh, look, it wasn't just me. There wasn't heaps of money around for middle class back in the day. And it wasn't just, as I said, I wasn't rich and I wasn't poor. I, I had a very good upbringing, got everything that I needed. And we definitely weren't poor. We had a great house, excellent family. So I never missed out on one thing, played sports. But, you know, I guess anything to do back then, you know, my, I grew up eating mainly fish because it was free. My father would catch it and, you know, it was there on the plate. It didn't cost anything. And he was a butcher, so he got the meat for very cheap. So it was a good way to eat. We ate, we ate back then what we thought was good food and, you know, always had plenty of fruits and vegetables as well. So never missed out on anything. It was just the, um, obviously, he didn't understand uh, what was going on with the food. And I'll make a point that my, my, one of my younger sisters has uh, cystic fibrosis. And so my father ended up getting a degree in, um, he became a nurse in the end. So he could take care of uh, my, my younger sister. And he sort of veered away from being a butcher. And unfortunately, when I was 18, he, got, he was killed in a car accident. So I didn't get to sort of uh, who he would be now um, compared to who he was back then, I guess, with his diet and everything. I'll never know because I obviously haven't seen him for, gosh, nearly 20 years it would be now. Um, but, you know, I guess it's, it's hard to say, I guess, in, in regards to, you know, the upbringing. So I, I felt like I had a very, very good upbringing and was very lucky, you know, as I said, never missed out on the thing. 
Amazing, dude, and that is so inspirational. And if you don't mind going into this, what was it like at the age of 18 just experiencing that and then sort of taking on the, the senior role in the family? How did that cope on you? Yeah, it was, I guess it was now, I guess when I look back at it, it's, it's easy for me to talk about and think about. And, you know, a few years after it happened, I come to realise that we all lose people, you know, the gr- grieving somebody or losing somebody is just part of life and it's something that we all need to accept and we can't get caught up in thinking, poor me, poor me, poor me. And that's something that I really tried not to do when I lost my father. But as you can imagine, uh, having all the siblings and my mother, you know, in a pretty bad way. And, you know, it was all, there's also there's the, the loss of the loved one, loss of the loss of your father, who's sort of your lead role. And, you know, I just started working with my father at the time too. So we just started to, you know, my father was very hard on us for growing up. Um, good man, but very hard, you know. He was working class and I just started working with him. So when I was 18, it was the first time that we actually started to bond and become mates. And it, I was lucky to have, I guess, that little bit of time with him. But uh, losing him was something that I think affected me more so uh, maybe three or four years after where I didn't realise it because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I mo- actually moved away when I was 21 from the Gold Coast because I couldn't bear to live in that town anymore. In fact, I've only been back there once in 15 years where I grew up. And I just, I'm not, I would go back there now on a holiday, no, no problem at all. But I guess I didn't go back there because I had to drive past the accident scene all the time. It was right near my house and it was something, and you know, it was a small town, so everyone was talking about it all the time. And I just wanted to get out of there. So my mother moved away, I moved away. We all, half of us, moved up to the Gold Coast a few years later. And you know, I started a new life, and and that was it for me. But the problem with me, mate, I guess, answering your question is when I moved to the Gold Coast, I found myself getting into a scene where, and, it, and Gold Coast is notorious for being having a great party scene, as, as I'm sure most people know. And I found myself using uh i guess alcohol as a way to numb uh or hide away from i guess the fact of him being gone you know what i mean or rather rather than dealing with it head on uh you know you try and push things away and i found going out drinking alcohol and you know even maybe using recreational drugs every now and then was an excellent way for me to numb the pain and sort of just uh move on with life as is, I guess, which was obviously ended up causing a lot of turmoil, turmoil, sorry, and a lot of pain later on. But uh, I hope that answers the question there with that. Definitely, Ben. And, and I, I really appreciate you diving into so much detail, especially for such a topic that's so close to your heart. And I know it's very inspirational for me listening to that because knowing that you've you've moved on from the, the horrific things that have happened in your life and you're taking control, it's, it's so inspirational, mate. Yeah. And look, and, and, and the other thing is too, is that you, I really want to make a point that, you know, as a, as a, as a young man, when you get put in positions and you, you, like, you know, you're like, when you're a young man, you're trying to find yourself anyway, who you really are uh, at 18 and 19, 20, and you're trying to work out who you are. And I guess without that father figure, I guess I struggled. And as I come to realize, like, you know, later on, it's, it's something losing people, um, people lose people parents, siblings, um, best friends all the time. And it's not something that's, uh, it feels unnatural, but it's a, it's a normal thing. So I, I think later on, you know, I came to, you know, when I, when I faced things head on, I came to accept that that's just life. You know, you, you miss and love that person all the time, but that's just the way it is. And you've got to sort of 
you've got to pull yourself back from your mind and all those thoughts that says poor me and really think connect to who you really are because who you really are down on a deeper level can't be affected in a way that it makes you uh makes life to be horrible for you because whether you lose people or not life can still be a beautiful thing do you know what i mean Amazing, Ben, and, and that's an awesome point. I, I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. If you don't mind diving back into when you were at quite a young age and you got into alcohol and, and the use of recreational yeah. drugs to mask mask what was happening, mm-hmm. what sort of happened there? What happened next? Did you When did you realise that that sort of wasn't the right approach? Okay, so we're talking, This we're going to my early 20s here, so this would be, I've always made a really good point of this um, too, Matt, is it? Do you mind if I call you Maddie or Matt? Is it Go anything, for it, or? mate, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, look, 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 Maddie, I, I, I always be really careful with how what I say here because in regards to a lot of people say I got mixed up in the wrong crowd at this age of my life, but I really believe that's a really bad thing to say because you didn't get mixed up in the wrong crowd. You were the wrong crowd. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, if you hang around the wrong people, that's because you are one of those people and I was also... Uh, I was there because I chose to be there and I was also a bad influencer as well at that time because you can't blame other people for your own actions ever. If you go and do something, that's because you've chosen to do something. And I always say I was the bad part of the bad crowd. I wasn't in, you know, and these people I was hanging around with were beautiful people and I still know a lot of them now and they've, a lot of them are, are, are healthy and out of that scene as well. But in regards to... Um, that scene, what happened was, mate, is I got into a scene where, as you said, recreational drugs, drinking, and it wasn't, I wasn't a drug addict at all. It was just, you know, every now and then, but I was drinking every weekend, so, which wasn't healthy, but it came to a point where I actually had a, when I was about 24, 25, I, I actually went into, or I could say, I got to a point where I think I was partying that much that I had a huge panic attack and suffered with severe anxiety like it was almost like I was going back into I think I, I, one night I must have been so off my face that I scared myself went into a panic attack and after that for the next two years I suffered with severe anxiety severe panic attacks oh gosh weekly wow. and I went to a hospital you know, you think you're going crazy and they said, oh, you're suffering with anxiety and your body's having flashbacks of, you know, what's happened and it's setting you off. And I guess from that point, they said, you know, they offered me all these drugs and all these things. And I thought to myself, I went home, I was about 26, 27 at the time. I thought, you know, I don't need the drugs, like pharmaceutical drugs to do this. I want to, I want to heal myself naturally. I don't want this life anymore. And what I did was I started to discover what I thought at the time wasn't vegan, but I started to get right into better eating, sleeping better, you know, getting fresh air, going for walks. And I also started to try and, uh, you know, come back to my breath a little bit and try and sort of work out the anxiety that way and take more of a natural route. And that was in my... um, that was going up to my yeah my mid twenties, I guess you could say. Amazing, and I, I really love that you brought that point up about the breath because our breath is something that we do every day without thinking. But when we start to think about it and really concentrate on our breath, it can be so re- so restorative and so healing. So I love how you brought that point in. Yeah, 
Thanks, mate. And you know, I was functioning as a as a personal trainer, you know, training hard myself still. And you know, nobody, nobody ever knew that I was suffering like that. It was, you know, you, you mask it it's so well that, and anxiety is something that's out of your hands. Like, it's not like, oh, I got anxiety. I never told anyone about that. That was something, you know, my family, close family knew and, or if I was having panic attacks, it's something that I kept to myself. I was still functioning, running a, you know, doing 40, 40, 50 hours a week as a personal trainer. You know, n- none of my clients knew, nobody knew. Just living your normal life, but... And looking back now, do you have any any tips for anyone or would you do anything differently knowing that you battled that for so long? Look, I, I always used to think before I got into all my yoga meditation and I always used to look back and say, I wish, you know, my 20s are really tough for me. And the best thing I did, another point, Matthew, was I gave up drinking. I obviously didn't take a drug, recreational drug from 25 on and I didn't drink. I stopped drinking from about 26, 27 until I was 30. So I didn't have a drink for about three and a half years. Um, And that's what cleaned me right up. Advice wise um, for people, I think that, oh, sorry, I'll go back to, do I have regrets? I did have lots of regrets and wish I did my twenties different for a long time. It wasn't until I started doing yoga and meditation and started learning, you know, I'm, I'm not religious at all, but I, I see myself as quite spiritual now um, as in just with self and, you know, finding my real self. And my yoga teacher said to me once, the present moment is the only moment we're in. The past doesn't exist anymore. So why would you think about it or regret it? Or the future isn't here, so why would you think about that and try and, you know, manipulate things? The only time you have is now. The time is now. That's when you need to be present and enjoy the moment. So what I actually did was from that, when he said that, it was the first time I let go of all the past because, you know, your 20s is a great time and a lot of my 20s was quite quite tough with for me. So it wasn't to that point of, you know, recently in the last two years that I just let go of my 20s and, let go of that heartache. I'd had great times in my twenties as well. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't all bad. Um, but you know, any bad times or all that suffering that I had uh, with anxiety, obviously I don't get anxiety anymore because you know, yoga meditation has sort of really just sorted that out. But, um, I guess I don't have any regrets anymore. No, not at all. I don't even, I don't even worry about it anymore because I'm only worried about the present moment and advice for other people out there. What, what could I give? Gosh, I see people out there now and I, I realize there's so many people suffering silently and, you know, whether you seem to be a big, uh, someone seems to be a big macho man or, you know, or, or a famous Insta model and, you know, the boys followers and they seem like their life is fabulous. You know, I, I know for a fact that, you know, statistics show that, you know, it's up to 80% or higher 90% of people are suffering with some sort of, you know, uh, anxiety or feeling, you know, depression. And um, I mean, I never suffered with depression as, as a sense, but, we live these lives that are so fake, I guess. And it's not, I'm not having a go at anyone there. People are just trying to get by and there is stuck in an illusion or, you know, I guess the matrix as they call it, where we're trying to be something, but we, we're forgetting about to, we're forgetting to be ourselves. And that's all we really need to be, to be happy is just to be ourselves who we really are. And all I can say to people for advice is, you know, don't worry about trying to be something or trying to impress anyone. Just, just be yourself. And if you're suffering with something, gosh, talk about it because that is the one best thing you can do. Talk about it and, you know, uh, make it present, you know, like illuminate it, make it when it's there, you can deal with it. But if you keep shoving it behind you, it gets bigger and bigger and worse and worse. 
so just I guess that's the best advice I can do is be yourself and talk about any problems especially the males out there you know talk about it Awesome, Ben. And I know a lot of my listeners will take some great points out of your story that you shared and the advice that you've just given there. Just on that note, guys, there are heaps of services out there that, that are helping people with mental illnesses. Just if you type that in on Google, I know there's like the Beyond Blue Foundation for Depression and, and et cetera like that. If you don't feel like talking to one of those companies, I know that I'm, I'm always here to have a chat. And I'm sure that, that Ben, you'll offer your time more generously to help 100%. someone that's going through a tough time. So don't feel afraid to reach out, guys. Ben, thanks again for sharing that. It's something that's so close cool. to you. Know, and I know a lot of my listeners will take a lot of points out of that. I want to get back into your, your life as a PT. When did you decide yes. to pursue a career in this? Would you? I, I, this, I find this extremely funny and it makes me feel really old, but I actually, in fact, did the very first personal training course in Australia. Would no <laughs> you believe? Who, who yeah. was running that organization then? Oh, I did it through TAFE when I was 16 years old. There 17, I think. 16 or 17. I was in New Tenant School and the very first course came out and I decided to go to it. So I used to travel, used to finish school and travel an hour and a half on the bus from now, oh, sorry, the train from Nara all the way up to, I think it was Dapto or Wollongong or something. I did it. It was one of those places. And yeah, I did the very, it was called Fitness Leaders. Did that and then I did my fitness practical course. It was, a, it was about a year um, part-time after school. And then they wiped it all, got rid of it. So my qualifications did not exist anymore because it was too basic. And then they brought in the diploma of fitness, which I enrolled in, which was a two-year course time so how long after you completed that first initial course did they did they wipe the qualifications oh, almost straight away mate it was I think I was I left year 12 to do so I finished the fitness leader fitness practical in year 11 and I completed year 11 and by year 12 my qualifications were not really uh, recognized anymore and we, we all we all had to go back and update it so then I'd say it was just a year later or some year and a half later. I, I can't tell you typically exactly, but I think that's what it was. And then um, I went back to do my diploma of fitness. I love that resilience there as well, because a lot of people might, may just throw in the towel and think, oh, what a waste this you know, year and a yeah. half has been. But you've, you've yeah. got the resilience and you've went back and you've, yeah. you've built something amazing, which I'm going to get through, get through now. So Ben, after that course, what happened next? Um, so that course happened. I was still living down there then, obviously. And I, I want to make a point to people, if, if people are listening that, that struggle with study. My course, the, the Diploma of Fitness was extremely difficult back then. It was um, based off a, a university teacher. So we all, we, we actually was, a, we all had university um, lecturers take our class because there was no other teachers. And, you know, I had to stay back in the diploma. I had to stay back because it was five days a week for two years. And I had to stay back, I think, three afternoons a week for two hours. So six hours extra a week I used to have to do um, of tutoring, which the TAFE actually supplied for free. And that got me through the course, doing all that extra tutoring and learning how to study. So, you know, if people really are struggling with learning, gosh, there's just so many avenues if you really want something uh, to get through it. Now, Definitely. And we're so lucky in Australia. We've got all these oh, opportunities at our hands. So exactly. it's great that yeah. we can be able to grasp those. So someone gave me a job uh, at a place called North Narrow Gym, actually, and that was my very first job as a personal trainer. And the agreement was for me to be an aerobics instructor. That's the only way I could get a job. So then I, I agreed, of course, because I wanted to work in the fitness industry. So 
the boss, I got a qualification in, I think it was RPM at the time, body pump, and I did some boxing course as well. So I was um, doing a lot of the Les Mills uh, teaching. That's where I started. And then I did gym floor, I think, for 12 months or uh, a year and a half before I started taking on uh, – you weren't allowed to do personal training straight away. You had to do – I think it was – I think the prerequisite was you had to do at least – I think it was 18 months worth of gym floor before you were allowed to start doing PT back then. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of hours. Like it, was, it was about a year and a half – so much gym floor and then I started doing PT and then after the North Narrow gym that's when I decided obviously I just packed up my bags one day mate I literally packed up my bags and drove to the Gold Coast and got a job up here about on the fourth day that I was here and at a place in Corumban and then I started my personal training career up here and I have to tell you that they updated the qualifications again on me so I had to go back to just it wasn't a big deal. What I actually ended up doing was I went to a, a TAFE and I told them, you know, I showed them all my work and my diploma and they're like, oh, you're already qualified. And then so the teacher said, look, come and teach my class. I think for six weeks, you take the class and I'll just sit back and watch you teach the class and we'll just sign you off. And that's how I got my, um, and that was, it. that was it from there, I guess. That's awesome. And it's, it's interesting to see how the, the course has changed from when you obviously done it into when I done it a couple of years ago. It's, yeah. more structure I my course only took six months I think full time yeah. so so they've definitely cut things down and and um I guess yeah. Yeah. focusing on a lot more you know practical things aren't they that's right I guess they're just getting rid of things that you don't need to know mate yeah definitely definitely awesome so after after you started doing that when did you decide to take on your own clients and start your own your own sort of show yeah, so I guess what I did was I did I started doing bits and pieces like different courses. You know, I went and got my um, uh, my Olympic lifting court, uh, qualification, so I could do all like you know power lifting and that. And I also got my CrossFit level one. I just I, I, I used to enjoy updating my uh, my qualifications all the time. You know, just to get experience in different fields. And what I did was I was in the gym scene actually, mate. You know, like you know gym scene, you know, pumping iron. <laughs> great scene i had a lot of fun over the years with a lot met a lot of awesome people and then i thought to myself it's time this was when i was going you know i stopped drinking alcohol and i cleaned all my act up by this time and i thought it's time to start going out on my own and i went to a gym in Coolangatta and started training my clients there and then i decided it was time to open up my own uh business so i opened up a studio in Coolangatta and I had that for a few years and it was sort of like a I guess you could say I went more of a, a CrossFit style or uh, but put my own name on it and started teaching that for a few years and I found owning your own business was all about all the numbers game and I found myself I loved being with people and connecting with people and I found that it to be all about the money because I was renting a studio. It was a lot of money and we had a class format, a lot of hours and I didn't like it to be honest. And what I did was I finished up with that after about two years and then I opened a little tiny studio in Kira, found a place that has really cheap rent, low overheads, don't have a business name, got all my clients and I just rock up and no mirrors in the gym. I just do one-on-one personal training now. I've been doing that for a few years now and you know, Life's very easy. It's just, it's fun. It's enjoyable. I abs- I'm 16 years uh, being a personal trainer, mate. I absolutely love it. I love training people. 
uh, every day I wake up and I just love my job, to be honest. That's awesome, Ben. And I love how you've taken a simplistic approach to something that can get so out of hand and so unsustainable real quick. I know a lot of personal trainers go through burnout doing the early mornings and the late nights and trying to take on everything because we think we're invincible. Um, what's your advice for any trainers that are going through that at the moment and, and that are burning out after three, four months in the industry? Look, mate, I have a lot of advice for personal trainers and what I found, the number one thing that I found with personal trainers is to be really humble because I came through an era where there was a lot of, gosh, mate, there was a lot of backstabbing where I had trainers that I didn't even know, never even met that were saying, you know, horrible things about me and it was like that and all over the place and I was really confused about it and one thing that I, one, one piece of advice that I always say to about other trainers is you never, never say bad things about other people and, and I think that as trainers, I've been a trainer for 16 years and I know the trainers that have been trainers for not even a year and they teach me things that I don't know and I think as a trainer, the number one thing you need to do is not think you know everything. Be open to try and listen to other trainers because as a whole, what we're here to do is help ourselves be better and help other, pe- other people to be better. And it doesn't matter what course you've done, uni- university degree you've done, it does not matter. It has no, uh, it doesn't make a difference in the quality of trainer you are and what you can provide. It's the, per- if you can apply uh, basic fitness that's safe and fun, effective to somebody, and you can connect with people and they're getting results, you're already doing an amazing job. You are already at the top of your game. And I, f- I think that what I did at the start when I became a personal trainer is I used to work 50 hours a week. I used to earn a lot of money. You know, I was earning, oh, I was earning, earning gosh, over 100 grand, grand a year when I was in my early mid 20s as a personal trainer. But do you know what, Maddie? I was hating life i was working working all i do all, all i was doing working didn't enjoy it you know i earn enough money now to live i'm, I'm definitely not one of the, uh, the highest paid personal trainers definitely don't see myself as one of the best personal trainers it, i just see myself as someone who enjoys training people and i do enough hours to have a good lifestyle and that's what i i suggest to people is have enough do enough hours so you can enjoy training enjoy your lifestyle and then you can also have other things on the sides, you know, other hobbies, or you can also start up other businesses on the side because being a personal trainer gives you extremely good life skills and gives you extremely good uh, personal or people skills. And I find that personal trainers can excel at so many industries that sort of offset from personal training. And I think that you shouldn't never close yourself off to being just a personal trainer because you're so much more than that. Awesome advice there, Ben. That, that's fantastic, man. It's it's great having the opportunity to pick your brain about something that you're so passionate about and you've got so much experience in. And I really love the point that you said about when you're being a personal trainer for over 16 years and you get in contact with someone who's just done it for one year, how you're not naive to their opinions and you take on board that information. I think in the fitness industry where we're so arrogant, for lack of a better term, that we... We, we don't take into consideration other people's routines and, and other training methods, whether it's high-intensity training at F45 or, or CrossFit or yeah. but your powerlifting. It's all doing one thing, and that's getting people moving. And I think if we can all come to that common goal and, and just encourage each other through that, we'll, we'll be better off for it. Uh, Matty, I 100% agree with that. 
with that with that point you made because I really I just don't understand it. Whether you're a bodybuilder, a crossfitter, whether you're a swimmer, whether you're an F45er, you know, whether you're a, you know you're a marathon runner, it's all relative, mate. It's the it's the same industry, and just because you know somebody's doing this, I don't understand why people bag out other sports for because it's all about being healthy. It's all about being happy and it's all about improving ourselves and each other. And I just don't get it. Like I know other trainers be like, look at that trainer. He's only, look at that skinny trainer. He's not like, you know, he's not big and muscly. And I'd be like that, that guy there has been a professional runner his whole life. Of course, he's not going to be big and muscly. He's a professional long distance runner and he is so knowledgeable. So I don't get why we, we, we perceive that a personal trainer has to look like this big mountain of a man, you know what I mean? Or, or this ripped woman. Like you can be in a wheelchair and be one of the best trainers on the planet. Do you know what I mean? Like definitely it's all relative. We we're all in the same industry. We're all under the same umbrella. It does not matter what sport or what fitness you choose to do. As long as it has a positive and safe impact, it, it's all good. That's a, that's a fantastic point, Ben. And just on that note, in for the consumer for someone that's going to look for a personal trainer what should someone be asking or looking for in a trainer obviously we're trying to steer away from aesthetic views if you're big and muscly or you're tan skin like what should a person be looking for in a trainer look in all in all honesty matthew i think i think you've got to look for someone who's genuine and i think i i strongly believe that genuine people you can really see them and when you walk into a gym and you see a lineup of personal trainers, you can see the trainers that are there, uh, I guess, you know, for the image or for just for a bit of a cap, you know, a bit of a cash or, or whatever. I don't know, but you can really see the trainers that are there um, that are really honest. They're really humble and they're there to really apply themselves to you and they want to learn. And I think you don't, I think the biggest mistake a lot of people do is they go into a gym and they look for this big tanned, or this big spray tan or whatever person. And I'm not saying that those people are bad trainers because that there again is me judging someone. So those trainers can also be an absolutely amazing trainer. I'm not saying that those people aren't. I'm just saying that what I'm saying and my point is, is that it doesn't matter what the trainer looks like because you don't know what sport they're doing and you don't know, um, you know, how they're going to connect with you. So my advice when you're looking for a trainer is you can really see if you're in a gym, especially what trainers are doing. Like if trainers with their clients and there's, you know, they're in there and they're quite busy, you know, they've got client after client and you can see them there and they're, they're not like, you know, I guess staring at themselves in the mirror and, you know, walking around with attitude in the gym. They're open, they're, they're friendly to everybody and they're, they're really having a go. And I think that's what you need to look at. You need to look at someone that's, um, you know, vibrant and positive and it's going to have a really positive impact on your life. Amazing, Ben. That's great advice for anyone out there that is trying to look for a personal trainer or is having issues with their current personal trainer. And Matthew, yeah, and Matthew, one big point is if you're looking for a trainer, just because a trainer has had 15 or 20 years experience, it does not mean that they are better than a trainer that has had one year experience because sometimes that trainer that has had one year experience can actually apply a lot better fitness and they're a lot more enthusiastic than the trainer that's been there for many years. Do you know what I mean? So Definitely. One thing that I say, just because a trainer says 20 years in the fitness industry does not mean for one second that it's better than the trainer that has one year experience. 
Definitely, Ben. Great point. And now updating your knowledge is so easily accessible. So for trainers, it's, it's yeah. as simple as Google searching new, new routines, Easy. new exercises. So I think someone that's enthusiastic and has that willpower to always learn and, and adapt their knowledge accordingly is, is the right trainer. That's right. And you can see, Matthew, when you go in gym, um, you know, sometimes I've had clients that come in and they can't squat and it's taken me three months to teach them to squat properly. We've worked on a squat for two days a week for three months. Now, that sounds boring, but at the end of it, you've taught that person how to do something correctly. And when you go to a gym, you can see when trainers are training people and they're, and they're correcting form and making sure people are doing things properly. Now, you can also see trainers that just go, go and do 20 burpees, load up the bar, squats are you know only going down two inches or and they've got heaps of weights on them and you know you, you can see it and you can see the trainers that are just more about making the people huff and puff for 30 minutes and there's no technique involved i think that's a really important thing to look Definitely. for Definitely, Ben. I love all the points that you're raising so far, mate. It, it's awesome. I definitely might have to get you on a on another podcast just to chat about personal training. <laughs> awesome, mate. Um, throughout the whole PT course, I know through through mine in particular, they drill into us that we need to incorporate animal products and animal protein into okay. our diet to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Knowing all that, what what sparked your decision to turn completely plant based? Talk us through that one. Yeah, look, mate. That's a that's a really interesting subject because you know that's the same thing that happened with me. You know, that it was all about animal products, animal products, animal products. You need eggs, you need this, you need that. And my brother-in-law is an extremely good uh, businessman and really good researcher. He's a very intelligent man. And what he did was a few years ago, he started showing me some scientific information on like the vegan diet. He was going vegan for health wise. And I was like, you know, I'd been writing programs for years. People eat um, animal-based products, and for me, when he first showed me, obviously, you know, I stayed with, I stayed open, but I was a little. The, the ego was creeping up a bit because you know you don't want to be wrong about what you've been doing or or making people sick. And I started doing some investigating myself, and look, the more I investigated and looked at these studies that were actually proving, like you know, some of these studies are forty-five years old and they're still ongoing, and they prove beyond reasonable doubt that, you know, animal products are making us sick. One in two people in Australia get cancer now. One in two people in Australia get heart disease. One in three people roughly get um, uh, diabetes. And a lot of that is related not only to lifestyle, but what we're putting in our mouths. And it's, it's, it's a big key on that. And, you know, animal products are directly related to that. And this is a thing that really got me interested because, why was I being taught this? Um, when Through all those years of study I was doing, why were they teaching me to do animal products? And this was extremely fascinating to me that I was getting taught to do something that was making people sick. And I guess when I looked into it, what I found was is that all the courses that we we're doing, you know, that I did anyway, were government uh, regulated. And the offset courses that are private obviously have to adhere to a certain standard. And the animal agriculture industry is heavily um, connected to uh, politics and how the country's run. And, you know, when, when they write the food pyramid in Australia, it's extremely biased and to support uh, animal agriculture and, uh, a lot of kickbacks come to the government, a lot of kickbacks go to uh, the industry as well. And I found that that was the only one and only factor that I could find 
at the moment uh, why we're still eating or recommending this sort of diet because if you look at the World Health Organization, which is the most respected organization in the world in regards to applying uh, health to uh, countries around the world, and we follow, all countries around the world follow this because it's the most um, up-to-date and researched uh, information. And, you know, all canned can meats, canned tuna, um, all uh, deli meats, uh, sausages, uh, bacon, is all type, uh, classes of type, uh, group one carcinogen right next to asbestos and tobacco and it's a fact that it gives you cancer those products canned tuna is real, will kill you and stated by the uh, world health organization not guaranteed to kill you just like a cigarette may not kill you i probably shouldn't say that but it can kill you, you get the point yeah with that, that you, yeah, you know what i'm saying you get the point and it's it's amazing that you can walk into, I mean, personal trainers are saying, eat canned tuna daily. And the World Health, World Health Organization is saying, do not consume it. Uh, like, that should raise some questions to people. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And uh, just on that uh, topic, Ben, I was, I, f I forget what documentary I was watching. I think it was What the Health, actually, on Netflix. And it was it was stating that if you really don't believe what what we're saying because it does sound ludicrous to even question things that are coming from the government because they're such a, a high regulated thing and it's information that's passed down to everyone follow the money so i forget yeah. one of the studies was funded by the chicken and, and um and egg industry and and the study was saying that the chicken is good for you but those studies have yeah. been funded by that industry so connecting the money is is um is essential i guess it is and also this is the thing where people get really confused and it's very hard to navigate through um, all this scientific research because they're very cheeky the way they do their funded research so they might compare chicken breasts to a Big Mac burger and then they release the data and say we found that chicken is quite healthy for you do you know what I'm saying but this is this is what they're doing or they'll compare uh, milk to grains but what they'll use they'll use um you know uh, uh white bread or a high sugar um refined food and they'll do the study and say oh milk is has a lot better vitamins this is this and then they won't show the side effects but they'll show all the health benefits but what they're doing is they're using a food that they know for a fact is a food that is extremely unhealthy and they're not gonna their product is not gonna fall beyond the expectations they want to achieve Definitely. And I think it's so easy to manipulate journal articles like that. And I know for anyone out there that is interested in finding more information about the science side of things and, and um, correct journal studies, go to uh, Instagram page called plant proof. And it's by Simon Hill, who's a, who's a nutritionist and he's debunking all these myths about the industry that, uh, that is going on. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love him. Is he, is he a nutritionist? Is he? He is. Yeah. Doing his master's. Oh, okay. Excellent. That's cool. That's great. Fantastic dude. And gives all science factual based information as to why, why an animal based diet is not the best one for, mm. for health. And the thing is, Matthew, all the evidence is there. And it's like you said, people go, Oh, you're crazy. But you know what? It's I'll tell you what, it's not crazy. Look what um, Canada's just done. They've taken meat and dairy out of their, out of the food group completely. And you know, there's still meat in there, but they're recommending that their, um, that their citizens eat a more plant-based diet. And, 
you know, really minimize their animal products because the evidence is just so clear now. We're going to see countries all over the world uh, do it following suit because, you know what, it's like cigarette smoking. Doctors were smoking cigarettes when they were having women in there to do their ultrasounds back in the day, mate. And when people started saying that smoking is bad for you, they laughed in their face and said, no, it's fine, it's fine. It took years and years and years um, of lobbying and protesting and all this other stuff to actually get smoking to be recognised as a cancer-causing or uh, contributing to an early death. And even though they already had known it for years... Definitely. And I guess some people would rebut that argument by saying, well, I know smoking's unhealthy, but I do it anyway because I enjoy it. But there's a lot of other effects that eating an animal-based diet has, particularly with the, on the animals, with the animal agricultural industry, with factory farms, etc., And on the environment as well, it, to live this way is completely unsustainable. And, and there's statistics and documentaries coming out that are highlighting that we, we can't keep this up and we can't feed the growing growing population like this for much longer. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, that's, that's so true. And, you know, and it's like I said before, like something so simple as eating like processed meats like canned tuna. And I mean, yeah, I guess I retract saying it will kill you because it's not guaranteed to kill you, but it can contribute to your early death. And it also, not only that, eating things like canned tuna and processed meats, any animal products, so I'm just picking on these ones at the moment as an example, not only like you just said before, they're killing our oceans, they're destroying the planet, and you know it's also horrendous amounts of cruelty to the animals involved that most humans wouldn't be able to do themselves. Fantastic, Ben. I couldn't agree more. Now, mate, I really want to, before we dive more into what your diet consists of, can you define for the listeners what a whole foods plant-based diet is? So a whole food plant-based diet or a whole food vegan diet is a diet where you consume predominantly uh, whole foods, which means I'll go a little bit more in depth with this. So a whole food is eating a food at its complete natural state, or it's also, it can be classed as a food that's been very minimally processed, which I'll go into more detail in a minute, which means that it's had nothing bad added to it or nothing good taken away from it. So that's what a whole food is. So for instance, when I say processed, a grain, when you get it from, you harvest a grain, then it goes through a process to be you know, ground up and then it can be turned into a, a bread. And if you eat a grain that's been kept as a whole food, it's been processed, but it's still a whole food at the end. Do you know what I mean? Because it's been turned from, uh, it's been turned from a, like a, a plant in the, in the field into a piece of bread. So it's obviously had gone through a process, but it hasn't had anything bad added or anything good taken away from it. Unless it's, if it's a refined bread, which means that they take away two parts of the bread and leave one part of the bread and the two parts that they take away from it, you know, has a lot of B vitamins and where all the nutrition is in the proteins and they'll leave the white part of the bread, which has, you know, it's mainly starchy carbs and, and it's, it's not good for you. And that's, and then they also add other things like vitamins and minerals to it. So it becomes a food that's highly processed. It's had uh, good things taken away and bad things added. That is a refined food. And now what, what, what is a whole food? A whole food is the opposite of that. So it can be food that's gone through a minimal process, but it's still the whole food. So obviously my a diet, like when you eat a piece of broccoli, an apple, a banana, they're all whole foods. And as I said before, you know, and a seed or a nut, 
is a whole food. You can ground that up in a um, food processor or put it in a smoothie and it becomes, that's a, that's a form of processing of food, but the food is still whole. Do you know what I mean? Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, so that's what a whole food is. So when commonly the processed foods that we see on supermarket shelves in packages have more often than not have undergone a processing to take it from its original form and then yeah. things have been added to it to obviously make the things last longer, etc. Yeah. And it's not a food anymore. So when you see things like even when you see, uh, you know, say for instance, you see um, chips, for instance. So you've got a chip that's uh, people can argue that that's just a potato that's been cut and cooked which it is, but it's a refined food because what's happened is the potato has been harvested. It's gone through a process where it's had to be, you know, a machine where it's sliced up. Then it's cooked in oils. And now an oil is already on its own a refined food. You know what I mean? And then that, that refined food is now in the chip. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of health issues come out of drink, eating a lot of oils in your diet. And that chip has now become a refined food because now that potato has had oil, which is a refined food added to it. And it's also been cooked, which is a, which is a process and it's been packaged and gone through a drying process. So it's had a lot. So that, that is now not a food anymore. Awesome, Ben. And you are a wealth of knowledge, man. And I know a lot of people might be sitting there and scratching their heads saying, oh, what is this? What, what can I eat? Like, why is yeah. this so hard? But it doesn't have to be hard. Can you, can you explain to the listeners what your diet consists of just to paint the picture of what you can eat? Yeah, I would. And, you know, with a lot of uh, whole food vegans out there, and I want to tell people that about once a week, I will eat, a, you know, I'll eat a, a vegan meal that may not consist of, it, it'll have, you know, I might go get a vegan burger or, a vegan this and that, you know, it's 95% of my diet or 90, about not, yeah, 90 to 95% of my diet is whole foods. And that's how it should be. And you're allowed to have some refined foods in your diet. Okay. Small amounts. Okay. So you do want to go through my diet? Well, I, I suggest highly that you eat a diet that consists of mainly fresh vegetables and fruits because what ha what's happening at the moment, a lot of vegans are getting confused with, having to have all this protein and what they're trying to do is eat <clears throat> tons of legumes and lentils in the forms of, um, I guess, soy, chickpeas, um, black bean, any lentils. And they're eating tons and tons and tons of this food, trying to get all this protein in. And what's happening is that these are heavy foods that they're healthy, but they're eating in too large amounts when we should be focusing on, fresh vegetables and fresh fruits in our diet as much as possible. Awesome point there, Ben. So, you know what my diet consists of. Okay. So, I would say that I eat predominantly, yeah, like I said, fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. So, I guess in the morning, I'll get up and cook up uh, after I've trained uh, a big plate of, I uh, have a heap of kale, onion, pumpkin seeds and mushrooms cooked up, a lot of that in the pan. I've cooked it up with a little, you can use a bit of oil, but I've started cooking it with uh, adding hot water instead of oil. It's a little bit healthier, but if you use a little bit of oil, as I said, you can use it's a refi all oils are refined foods, so you can use a little bit of oil. That's not a problem because it's only going to be a small percentage. And I usually have that on uh, whole grain sourdough, um, spelt sourdough that is, with avocado. Now that's 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 my breakfast, and my lunch is always 100% raw, and that'll be a smoothie with nuts, seeds, and you know, things like cacao, maca. These are all raw foods. And then I'll also have all my fresh foods. So I'll have like green beans, 
I'll have cucumber, celery, all different sorts of greens, and then I'll have a mixture of different fruits. So it might be um, watermelon, could be blueberries, banana, uh, rock melon, all those sort of different things. I'll just put a heap of different, whatever's in season and fresh at the time. And then dinner, obviously, will be, I usually, I love, if anyone here is listening has seen my stories, I'm a big fan of curries. So I cook a lot of Indian curries because it's easy to cook healthy, delicious whole food meals with curries. Mate, and that you curry you posted last night was die for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, look, mate, they're easy to make. And you know, the two top legumes or lentils you can use are the healthiest ones. They're all healthy. But red lentils and chickpeas are the top two healthy uh, ones we can consume. So what I usually do is I'll, I'll make a, a big curry up. I'll put a cup, I'll cook up a cup of red lentils or chickpeas, whack that in, broccoli, green beans, any vegetables you want. And then you can cook it up with, you know, your, your turmeric, cumin, onion, and uh, you've also got tomato to make the base. It's really easy to make a curry up from scratch. And then you add in all your fresh vegetables and some lentils. And then I'll have it with some whole grain rice, complete meal, high in complete protein, all non-essential amino acids when you mix lentils with rice. And you've also got a diet, um, uh, a meal that's high in omega-3. You've also got iron, calcium. You're pretty much covering or ticking off a lot of your nutrients in that one meal when, when we're talking about Indian cooking because it's so medicinal. Definitely. And I know through my, I'm currently at uni studying naturopathy and looking back through the history of healing through Indian and, and Hindu sort of cultures, they, they based their diet off a strong plant-based culture and they cooked a lot of food and vegetables and they really extracted the most nutrients out of their food so it's definitely uh an easy go-to to tick all the boxes in, in terms of nutrients planet and uh, environmental impacts as well and health it does and you know it's easy to make your own rissoles at home chickpeas and sweet potato uh herbs and spices herbs and spices are just dried whole foods mate that's all they really are and you know on my side i put up lots of recipes and it's it's hard when you first start becoming vegans, you know, to think of things you're like, what am I going to do? But you can really make lots of different meals from whole foods that are healthy, extremely healthy, and they're also uh, delicious. And as, as we said before, they're covering a lot of your nutrient profile. It's very simple to make many different, many different meals and, and enjoy a variety of food. Awesome. And guys, if anyone is struggling for recipe ideas, go on Ben's page. I will have his link to his Instagram profile in the show notes, but I think it's Benny at fit with plants. Is that correct, Ben? Oh, just um, fit with plants. Fit with plants. That's the one on Instagram and his recipes yep. are desire for tried and tested and honestly amazing, full of color, nutrients, and definitely a easy, easy to gain inspiration from if you're thinking about going plant-based or struggling what to cook. Now, Ben, you've just explained everything that's in your diet. Now, I want to know how it's made you thrive, both physically, mentally. How do you feel it's helped yep. your sleep? Talk us through that process. So I guess one thing that a lot of vegans talked about, which I didn't understand until I became vegan, is that when you start eating a plant-based diet or a vegan diet, the first thing that happens, I guess, is it a fog sort of lifts off your head and your mind becomes a lot more clear. Um, and I guess you can you, you just think better. And mental health and clarity is a huge aspect of a vegan diet. And this is something that's been proven both scientifically and also through and tested through many different people from all over the world that have switched over. Uh, one, of the, one of the key factors of switching over. Now, not only that, 
uh, I've explained, and I was in a, I was in a podcast um, about a couple of nights ago, and I was explaining the same thing with my benefits. And a few things that I really noticed is like your bowel. So when you you know when you go to do a poo, obviously it's a lot more satisfying. You'll poo a lot more um, frequently, and you you and regularly. So if you're someone who poos once or twice a day. When you become vegan, you can you can it can be anywhere from up to three to four times a day, depending on you know what kind of vegan diet you're you're eating, and that is an indicator you know that that's healthy as long as your stool is you know of good quality. You know it's not just you know you're not diarrheaing or whatever. You know it's it, you know it's a solid poo. It, that, that's a good indicator of your health right there, right there. That's one aspect. Now another big one for me was. Uh, joint pain, so I, I suffered with a lot of joint pain, especially like in my elbow. For the last four years, lifting weights has been horrendous. And after about three or four weeks of being a vegan, the pain went and it's never come back. So that was a big one for me. Wow. Uh, energy, mate. Energy is absolutely phenomenal. And someone who's trained you know, their whole life, I didn't expect to, to notice this, energy and strength has gone through the roof in regards to my training without me even trying. In fact, I train less now than when I used to train and I'm just keep getting stronger. It's, it's, it's really, it's really bizarre actually. And recovery is the other big, the big factor. And I just didn't think this would happen where, you know, I could wake up sore all the time and lethargic after a big workout, you know, especially when you do a big workout, just becoming vegan, you can just keep going. Like your recovery is absolutely phenomenal. I just can't, I still can't get over the fact you know, I'm 36 going on 37 and I've never recovered this good in my whole life. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Amazing. How about your sleep? Talk us through that. Sleep is great. Like I, I think I'm someone who's, who I believed always slept pretty good. You know, I always fall asleep at night and wake up in the morning. I always believed that I, I slept really well. And I guess the thing was that I didn't realize was how good of quality was that sleep. I, I can always fall asleep and wake up. And I didn't realize that in my deep, my deep sleep obviously wasn't as of good quality as what it is now, because when I have a, when I will go to sleep and you know, and this is no, this is no bullshit. When I go to sleep, say at 8, 8.30 at night, I wake up at 3am to go to work. When I wake up, mate, I open my eyes, uh, not every day, but 90% of the time I get out of bed at 3am. I skateboard to work. Uh, in the in the night, and I'm full. I'm ready, mate. I'm feeling amazing. I get to work and I train. I feel great. I um, I'm lucky to have my beat. Uh, my sorry, my studio about 100 meters from the beach. Walk down, go for a swim, come back. I'm pumped for the whole morning. I'm loving life. And this is something that I never experienced before going vegan. Amazing, and guys, that is 100% true. I always see Ben's Instagram stories with the with the time in at 3:30, sometimes even earlier, skating down. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm looking at it at five o'clock in the morning. Like, what is he doing? You must be nuts, mm. but mate, unbelievable. And I guess this is the other thing you get you you want to talk about. This is the main one for me is my allergies. So I've been highly allergic my whole life. In fact, since I was a little kid. Before I can remember, I've been highly allergic to citric acid, so I've never been able to eat oranges, mandarins, kiwi fruit, pineapple, um, even chocolate sets me off. We've also got raw tomatoes. Mate, this, this, I can't remember all the foods off the top of my head, but there was about 15 or 16 foods that I was highly allergic to. Now, if I ate one of these foods, I would get a mouthful of ulcers, and I've even had to go to the doctor or the hospital if 
I was that allergic to them that if somebody was eating an orange next to me, my mouth would start to tingle and I would get about three ulcers in my mouth just from someone, the citrate sort of them biting into it and the citrate sort of, I guess, floating through the air somehow. But I'll, it, that's how allergic I was to citric acid. Now, I've been, I'm 36 years old and I've never eaten an orange, I guess, until I, maybe I ate one when I was a baby or very little. Uh, but I can't remember the last time I ate one. So and the first time I ate an orange, again, was when I was 35. So I've been enjoying an orange oranges for the last sort of six months. And I'm not allergic to citric acid anymore. Wow. And that was just since becoming vegan. And I was, and the doctors, the doctors always told me, you will never be able to eat citrus and to avoid citrus, citric acid at any cost because it can make me very sick and also cause autoimmune problems for me if I consume that. It can, it was a dangerous food for me. So obviously I've always avoided it. And to be able to eat um, citric foods now and not have any allergies to any foods at all is something that's completely changed my life. And something I, I, I absolutely love it. And I just can't speak. Anyone out there that's suffering with an allergy will know just how much it just wreaks havoc on your life. It's just it's a horrible thing to have an allergy to something. Definitely better. That's remarkable how a plant-based diet was able to have all those positive impacts on your life and reverse their allergies to citrus fruits. And I guess it has changed your life. It has. And, you know, when I did some research, this is really funny. I did a little bit of research because I thought, how can this be? How can this happen? So obviously I want answers because there's always an answer to something, right? And what I found in my research is that dairy... Uh, also, all dairy products, what they do is they actually cause an autoimmune response. And that autoimmune response was actually causing the allergy to the citric food. So it wasn't actually that I was allergic to citric acid, I was allergic to dairy. And it was um, the dairy products was destroying my autoimmune system. There you go. Mm. That, so that's, that's really interesting. That is crazy how you've dived, dived right into that. And I guess along the note of dairy, we're, we're the only species that does take milk from another species. And I guess milk isn't designed for, a dairy isn't designed for human consumption. It's meant to make a baby cow grow into a big 300 kilo cow mm. in six months, isn't it? So when you put those hormones into a human body, it has all sorts mm. of negative side effects, allergies being one of them. Definitely, mate. Look, dairy is, it's a very controversial subject, dairy. And the, the problem is with dairy is that the evidence is plain and clear now. And, and when, when I talk about things, I'm not talking about my opinion. I'm talking about scientific research in, in regards to when you consume one serve of dairy a day, you're consuming a glass or a piece or whatever you are of really concentrated hormones. Now, these hormones can not only disrupt your, like a human's hormones and cause rain havoc and cause all sorts of problems with skin, um, your sexual organs, uh, all those sort of problems, but mate, it can actually affect your DNA and change your DNA. That's just how dangerous dairy can be. Not only that, one serving of dairy a day increases a man's chances of prostate cancer by I think it's over 35%. Now, it also increases a woman's chances of breast cancer and also ovarian cancer massively. And if a woman has already had breast cancer and they're consuming dairy, it increases their chances of getting cancer again by over 50%. That's just how dangerous dairy is. That's, that's shocking statistics and I've actually never heard of that. 
before myself. So that's mind blowing to hear that. And to have this information withheld from the public is shocking that something that's on our, on our plates, almost two out of the three meals of the day or incorporated in foods almost every day is quite, quite shocking. And Ben, I know you do a lot of research yourself, mate. Do you have any tips mm-hmm. for listeners where to do their, their research or any documentaries that can help with their transition or just give them oh, some oh. knowledge? I would love to give probably the number one place for people to start their research because this research is research that's been conducted long periods of time and it's unbiased research. It's not funded by any industry and it's um, nutritionfacts.org is the first place to get started. Awesome. And I'll have that in the show notes for you guys. Any, any others, Ben? Yes. So that, that's run by Dr. Michael Greger, who I believe is one of the number one or leading researchers and doctors on the, currently on the planet. Um, so any, anything that a lot of the documentaries that you, you know, you'd probably um, uh, advise people to watch would be, you know, what the health and you've got a lot of those cow conspiracy and all of these other things. And you'll find that Dr. Michael Greger is in a lot of those uh, documentaries talking about uh, plant-based health and the scientific facts. Dr. Michael Gregg is great. You've also got Dr. Colin Campbell and the China study is a great book for newcomers to to read. Uh, That's a study that's the longest conducted study that's still ongoing in human history. It's a study that's been going for, and don't quote me on this, I think it's almost 40 years, the studies, and so on just nutrition. And if you want to know more about, you know, scientific facts, China study is a great start. And also Dr. Michael Gregg's book, How not to die. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, love, I love those those points that you raised because they're purely coming from scientific evidence and not a human opinion, which is which is you can't argue with facts, can you? You can't argue with facts, mate. And that, and that, and that's that's the big thing that's happening in the world at the moment is that you've got the industry arguing that they're healthy, but the problem is is science is working against them. So they're, they, they're slowly becoming crippled by the knees. Amazing, Ben. You're definitely a wealth of knowledge, mate. And I've learned a lot from this podcast already and we're not quite done yet. I, I know I've followed your page for quite a while and I notice you buy mostly from farmer's markets. Why do you That's do correct. this? What are the benefits of doing that? few reasons. Um, I buy only organic because <clears throat> two reasons. Um, organic food obviously uh, is grown where I, I, I grow predominantly from a bio-organic farm where the farmer takes good care of the soil, the plants, and the nutrition value in those foods are far greater than a food that's not organic for starters. When you're eating non-organic foods predominantly, you're also contributing again to things that are uh, destroying our environment, our, sorry, our environment, which are pesticides, and herbicides and not only that they're also got um xenoestrogens rather in them and xenoestrogens are one of the main causes uh for uh, they completely destroy our hormones and are causing all sorts of disease now obviously it's a lot worse in animals because they're consuming the, the worst xenoestrogens but also our plants can contain xenoestrogens and so we've got to be careful that way now when you buy from the farmer's market, you're buying directly from the farmer. You know where the food's coming from. And predominantly, you should be eating as local as you possibly can. It doesn't have to be completely local because the atmosphere, the air, the soil that you are surrounded in in your environment is where you should be consuming the majority of food because it's going to have 
a lot of the a lot of the health properties that are related to your area now if you live in the northern part of Australia to the southern part of Australia the people are going to be different and their health is going to be slightly different it sounds a bit crazy but it's true if you're eating fruits and vegetables that are imported from different parts of Australia that's fine it's not going to hurt you it just means all, all I'm saying is that you know you should you want to have more than 50% of your diet as local as possible I also buy locally because I believe supporting local farmers and getting them a fair price is what we need to do in Australia because big supermarkets uh, are really taking a ride on our local farmers and you know they're having to sell things for cheap and they're having to produce huge quantities to try and feed the population when you support a local farmer they take great care and pride in their product and when you get to know the farmer mate they really look after you they they tell you about their product. You can go visit the farm. Um, I've even been invited down uh, the next two weeks to go help do a uh, plantation um, from the farmer that I'm buying from and learn how to seed and help him out. He always, every week, mate, gives me free food, uh, gives me a discount, especially when you start to get to know them. And the other thing is you try before you buy. They're always handing you food out to try. You can see what you like, what you don't like. They will educate you on a lot of nutrition, nutritional aspects of the food. And, you know, building that relationship up with people is what humans are meant to do. That's, that's the way we've been for thousands of years where we communicate with the people that we're buying the, buying the produce from rather than going to a place where they grab the food from the farmer, travels on truck to truck around Australia, gets stored in these big fridge fridges, then gets stored in a supermarket under these fluorescent lights in air conditioning and all people coming and touching the food and, you know, handing on it, looking at it. Farmer's market, from the straight from the farmer, mate, straight to you, straight home. Awesome, Ben. That's a great point. And I just want to add this point in, guys, that buying organic food when you're initially trans transitioning isn't the be-all and end-all. It's obviously better for health because there's no pesticides and, like Ben said, the mm. process of going from the farm to obviously right. market shelves isn't there, but definitely if you can if you can get organic, that's awesome. But if you can't, and I know it's quite expensive to do that, if you're buying mm. from a supermarket, then the fresh fruits yeah. and vegetables are are okay as a transition. But like you said, mate, the the farmers markets are the way to go. Farmers, if you want to try and eat organically, it's way cheaper at the farmers markets. Way way cheaper. You can barter, especially if you can you can barter with the farmer. Uh, especially if you're buying a, a lot of produce. And the other thing, a little tip for people, if you do go to the farmer's markets, I go first thing in the morning and get the, 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 uh, the produce that I want. But if you're on a tight budget, go to the farmer's markets an hour before they close and usually they start selling everything for half price and you can pick up a lot of things a lot cheaper. Don't forget, there's a lot of... I, I, I buy organically, but there's also a lot of farmers out there, mate, that, that farm organically but don't have the certification. And a lot of their farms, I know, I know some organic farmers and their produce is a lot cheaper and they're just not certified, but they are actually organic. And you can pick up really cheap fruits and vegetables uh, from them. But you made a really good point. If you're starting or switching over to a plant-based or vegan diet and you're buying from soup and you are buying from a supermarket or buying cheaper vegetables, it's still far greater nutrition wise and you are going to get nutrition from those vegetables a lot it's far greater uh, than obviously eating animal products so it's an excellent way to start to transition if you can't get organic produce because it's still a lot healthier uh, going and buying any kind of fruits and vegetables 
Awesome, Ben. And for anyone that's trying to find out about their local farmer's market, just simple as putting it in your Google search, your suburb, and it'll give you the closest farmer's market from there, guys. I know you're highly passionate about plant-based eating, and as a result of that, you started something called the Garden of Vegan. Can you talk us through what you're doing here? Yeah, so Garden of Vegan is a home meal delivery service that we've started, and we're going to be delivering Australia-wide to, obviously, your your regions that are uh, your populated cities. So the whole East Coast of Australia, we're going to be delivered. So what our company is, we're a company that we, we're delivering uh, 100% organic, gluten-free, whole foods that are obviously all vegan. And obviously, and we don't use, it's because we're whole foods, we're obviously not using any refined foods or we don't even use any oil. And what we've managed to do is design meals that are extremely delicious and We've also not just put together yummy meals, we've actually put together meals from a science aspect. So my, one of my business partners and I have sat down and we've looked at the nutrient requirements for humans, whether you're doing you know, fitness, this, this, or whatever, um, to cover like, you know, all your amino acids, uh, you've got your iron, calcium, omega-3, uh, and there's many more, you know, your B vitamins. And we've designed the meals from an aspect, from a science aspect, to make sure they're as healthy and nutritious as possible. And also a good size, which is something that we've found that's lacking in the Australian industry with home, uh, home meal deliveries, where everybody's trying to get the cheapest meal, but they're also giving you tiny meals. So what we've tried to do is you know, incorporate a, a meal that's gonna actually fill you up and it's nutritious as we can possibly make it. So that's where, that's where we're sort of coming from at the moment. Fantastic, man. I love that concept and I love the whole idea behind this promoting a plant-based diet and making it easy and convenient for people to help with their transition and also for people that are just time savvy that don't have much time to cook. So fantastic idea, mate. What was the inspiration behind this and what's your main message? Look, the inspiration behind this uh, initially was, you know, one of my uh, one of my friends who's a vegan. He it was his idea to begin with, and we chatted about it, and we got a, a great vegan chef in. Um, my my vegan friend Damien, his name is, and it was his idea. Then we talked about it, and then we got a vegan chef uh, who's an extraordinary chef and and a, just a a great bloke. And then also my brother-in-law, who's uh, really good with business. So we got together and started chatting about it, and we've all we've all got sort of the same inspiration, but for me personally, I work with uh, children over in Brazil. I volunteer with them and, and fly over there. And I, what I'm trying to do in the future is uh, obviously raise money to help the kids live a better, better life or, you know, get better education. And one of my goals is in these, uh, these poor areas is get children uh, educated and eating more of a plant-based diet. Even though they do eat a lot of plant-based foods because the meat's expensive, but trying to cut meat out. And what I want to do with the business myself is take it to a point where I can start to push this knowledge uh, to the people overseas. And we also want to start up in Australia. Um, we want to start up a, a, a down the track is uh, an animal century where we look after animals and we have people come out to the farm that are suffering from health health issues, current health issues and health crises that were happening, whether they're physical, mental, and get them out there to be with the animals and learn how to eat and look after themselves better. That That's actually one of the big goals of Garden of Vegan in the, in the distant future. But 
currently our goal is is to help tackle the health crisis that's happening right now. And if we can provide meals at a good price that we know that are honest and healthy and deliver them out to uh, as many people as we can to Australia and get them educated on how to eat properly, because not only are we going to give not, not only do we want people to buy our meals and eat them, but we're also going to give a lot of our recipes out for the people in the areas or the rural areas that can't actually buy our food or people who can't afford to buy our food so they can educate themselves on how to make the meals that we're actually delivering. So we want to we want to help make an Australia that's free of suffering and we want to make an Australia that's healthy and as disease-free as possible. That's our goal. Mate, that is unbelievable. You are honestly kicking us I can't wait to find out some more information about this and, and when it's going to be launching. And I definitely will be supporting you, mate, because it's for a great cause. Where can people buy this and when can we expect to see Gardener Vegan launch? Yeah, mate. So we're looking at launching within the next few weeks uh, currently. So we're looking at, I don't have an exact date to give you today, but we're looking at the end of, roughly the end of March, the beginning of April will be our launch date. Uh, we just have a few more things to finalise, but we're almost there. And where you can buy uh, our meals from is our website, which is, you can check it out at www.gardenofvegan.com.au. And we've also got our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, which are We Are Garden of Vegan. You can check them out and a lot of information you can get from both pages. But at the moment, uh, if any, any people here want to jump onto our website, our website has got a little link on it where you can find information and we'll be keeping everyone updated. And if you uh, launch this pod podcast, once the website's actually completely there, they'll be able to see all the meals and follow through and they'll be able to choose what they want and follow the links. And if they get a little bit confused, I don't know what to do. Myself will be uh, answering a lot of the, myself and one of my business partners will be there to answer any questions or help people out that want to know any information on our meals and how to get them to their house. Excellent, Ben. And I'll be promoting this all through social media as well, mate, to help such a great cause because you're doing a, an awesome thing and, and I really commend you for it. Now, Ben, coming to the end of the podcast, mate, just a, mm -hmm. just a quick one. What would you eat if you had could only eat one meal for the rest of your life? One meal for the rest of my life. That's a very good question. Wow. Whew. If I was eating the same thing all the time, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for... Um, Italian food, and I'm a very big sucker for. Oh gosh, so many foods! Oh, there's so many good foods out there. Let's go with. <laughs> let's go with. Um, if I could eat one meal for the rest of my life, I reckon I would choose an Indian dish. To be honest, because I am absolutely obsessed with Indian food, and I'd probably eat a garam masala or maybe Madras or something like that, something really hearty, really, really flavoursome and really medicinal. So maybe a, maybe a, maybe a garam masala or something like that. Yum. <laughs> I'm salivating. I'm hungry at the moment, so I can't wait to give that a shot. Now, Ben, I know you're doing amazing things and I know all my listeners will be super impressed by where you've come from and the backstory and how you're, you're changing your whole life and, and, inspiring so many people in the process. What is your main message? Why do you get up every single day? Look, I get up because I get up every day and this was a message that I, I really found hard until, until I started getting into a lot of meditation and yoga and 
what I used to get up for is, you know, it's been a lot of years now since I, since I changed my ways, you know, it's been six years now since I've been, well, it's been eight or nine years now since I've been like, you know, really focusing on my health and looking after myself. But in the last few years, more specifically, uh, I was getting up because I really wanted to make a difference and, and do the right thing. And what I found now is that I get up every day because I really want to make a difference in myself and I'm worried. I'm more worried about self improvement because I believe that's a that's a strong reflection on uh, inspiring other people. And you know, when I first started up my Instagram account, you know, you want lots of followers and lots of likes and all your photos and pictures. But I've actually come to realise that that's not important. And this year, I'm really focusing on on being myself. And I don't care how many people like or follow my page because I know that people that see it will get some sort of inspiration from it, especially if I'm being myself. So my, my main thing is I get it every day because I want to be, to be myself and to have the best possible impact I can on the planet. That's it. <laughs> Dude, that's simple and so amazing. And I love everything that you're up to, Ben. I know I've only followed your page for a few months now and I've been super impressed and I just thought I'd send you a message and get you on the podcast and, and I'm so grateful that I did. I've learned so much from this episode and I know a lot of my listeners will. Where can people contact you to get in touch, to have a chat, to look at your recipes? Give us a few plugs of your links, man. Yeah, yeah, look, mate, if you, um, my main, my main uh, plug that I personally use is my Fit With Plants page, which is obviously flip, fit underscore with underscore plants underscore on Instagram. Or you also go to my uh, Facebook page, which is Fit With Plants. And I'm also there, of course, at We Are Garden of Vegan on Instagram. But I'd suggest the best place for people to get in contact with me would be on my Instagram Fit With Plants page. And I spend a lot of time there, you know, talking to people from all, all over the world. In fact, I'm so busy doing live chats. And what I found is that you can message me on there, but if you want help, I only tend to do live chats face to face because I find it's a more genuine way to know who I'm speaking with and to get a feel of the person and what I can do to help. Obviously, all my help that I do is 100% free because obviously spreading the vegan message is something that I'm passionate about and help. I believe that true health is something that shouldn't cost people money. And that's why my knowledge that I try and give is 100% free to people. So if you jump on or follow my page and jump on and contact me through there, or you don't even have to follow me, just contact me through Fit With Plants. I'll always reply to you and I'll do my best to help anyone out. I always 100% reply to everybody. So you can grab me there. I'll have those links in the show notes for you guys. And Ben, you're such an inspirational man. I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this podcast today, mate, and I can't thank you enough for your time. I know the time difference threw you out a little bit the, the hour behind in God Coast, right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again for coming on the episode, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks for your time, Matty, and uh, it was nice to meet you today too, properly. Definitely, bud. Take care. You too, mate. Have a great day. And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.